Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is the program where week by week we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Every week I have a different guest, maybe an author or a writer, a musician, an artist, a convert, someone who's involved in a new apostolate trying to share the Catholic faith, trying to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ uh, and the fullness of the faith in the Catholic Church. Today my guest is Brandon Vaught, and Brandon is the author of several books. He's also working with Father Barron in the the Word on Fire Ministries. He is also the founder of a wonderful website which reaches out to engage atheists in dialogue about the faith. It's called Strange Notions. Brandon, welcome to More Christianity. Oh, thanks for having me, Father Dwight. It's always wonderful to talk. Your new website, Strange Notions, is very good-looking. You've got a good designer there. It looks fantastic. It's very welcoming and attractive. How long did you spend getting the whole thing going? It was a long process. Uh, I'd, I'd say we spent about a year working on it before it went live back in May 2013. I'd say about half of that time was putting together the design of the site and creating the video trailer, which you can see. And the other half of that time was spent collecting all the great content. So I spent a long time reaching out to dozens of contributors, including yourself and other great Catholic theologians, scientists, philosophers, artists, and thinkers contribute the best of the best of their content. We wanted this to be the definitive response and the definitive engagement with, with atheists online. So it was a year in the works, and then we fought live last May. And so this is a place where atheists can actually come to engage in conversation and in dialogue with people, but also an all-in-one shop, as you say, for articles on faith and science, faith and culture, faith in the arts, faith in history— from a wide range of different writers. You launched it last May. It's called Strange Notions. Where did you get the strange notion for such a title like Strange Notions? I'm I'm so glad you asked that, because we tried to choose a name that would provoke that very question. Strange Notions comes from the 17th chapter of Acts, where St. Paul travels to Athens, Greece, and evangelizes the pagans on the Areopagus, you know, Mars Hill, And he goes up to this hill and introduces this strange message of Jesus risen from the dead. And many of his interlocutors say, you bring some strange notions to our ears, and we should like to hear more about that another time. So the point of the site was to mimic that first encounter between Paul, this Christian evangelist, and the atheist philosophers at the Areopagus, and recognize that for both sides, the opposing views seem like strange notions. They're unfamiliar, perhaps unreasonable. And so the purpose of our site was to help clarify those seemingly strange notions among both groups. So you're reaching out to atheists, and in my own blog, which is called Standing on My Head, I keep the comment box open and write from time to time about atheism. And I find that just like there's a whole range of different Christians, there's a whole range of different atheists as well. Some of them are uh, very well-educated, very well-informed. A lot of them are former Christians or former believers. Uh, They are willing to engage in conversation even more than debate in a very gentlemanly and and interested and open-minded manner. Then, of course, we have the, I guess you call them the, the aggressive atheists, the ones who come marching in with a chip on their shoulder, convinced that any religious person has to be probably stupid or insane and and they're insulting, and they're throwing lots of silly arguments around. I then sort of go down to a third category of the ones I, I, I just have to call ignorant atheists. In other words, 
I don't mean it unkindly, but they just don't know much about the, the whole subject of God and Catholicism and the Christian faith and the Bible and religion, and they seem to have picked up their ideas from a few half-baked websites online, and, and they try to engage in argument as well. So do you find that these three categories are typical of the people you're engaging with at Strange Notions, or, or, or are there even more than those three? I'd say that those three categories are pretty typical of the atheists that flock toward the Internet. Um, I'm very glad that you were quick to add the caveat that those categories could just as easily describe Christians, because Christians can certainly meet all of those definitions as well. However, what we try to do at Strange Notions is to attract that first group you mentioned, which are atheists who are interested in genuine and charitable dialogue and who are interested at discussing these questions at a serious level. You know, not the popular-level caricatures or the straw men that are easily dismissed or knocked down, but are sincere seekers and want to have serious dialogue. So we've done several things in our commenting policy and in the way that we operate the site to ensure that those are the sorts of atheists we're attracting, and we've been pretty successful. Since we started a year ago, we've had over 500,000 unique visitors, unique Catholics and atheists who have stopped by the site, and collectively they've contributed over 50,000 comments. And among those 50,000 comments, we've only had to ban, I'd say, less than 10 people for repeated violations. Most people uh, abide by our moderating policy and abide by our commenting rules and are able to participate in these higher-level charitable discussions. So when we're talking about the negativities, which uh, happily there are very few, are these the sort of people who are just coming in there on purpose in order to be ugly? Yeah, you always have those, I think, on any website, but we're very quick to filter those sorts of comments out. For instance, if somebody comes in and it's clear they're a troll and all they're interested in is demeaning or making fun of Christianity, or just the opposite. If we detect that a a theist comes to our site and is just interested in mocking atheists or atheism in general, uh, we're quick to delete that comment, make a warning, and say, if it happens again, you know, we're going to have to ban you from the site. But more often than not, those people don't end up coming back anyway. They're just interested in trying to cause a stir and moving on. So our best strategy is not to engage them, but just to ignore them and focus on the atheists who are really interested in serious dialogue. I'm talking today with uh, Brendan Vaught, who's the founder of Strange Notions website, a special, very professional website to engage atheists in dialogue with Christians, with theists. Brendan, there's this term, the new atheism, which is out there. Uh, how new is the new atheism, in your opinion? New atheism, most sociologists track back to the early part of this new millennium. Um, In fact, many religious sociologists trace it to 9-11, how right after 9-11 you had this uh, new wave of books and online resources produced by atheists who were not only content to ignore religion, but want to banish religion from both public and private life. Because, as the subtitle of Christopher Hitchens' book says, religion poisons everything. And so after September 11th, you had this increasing view that religion is irrational and violent and a threat to society, and therefore we need to purge it from our culture. So the new atheism is this movement of aggressive and evangelistic atheism seeking to get religion out of our culture, our politics, our schools, every sphere of life. 
The most popular new atheists today include people like Richard Dawkins, who is a former professor of biology at Oxford University. There's Sam Harris, who is an American biologist and philosopher. And then there's Daniel Dennett, who is also a philosopher of science. Christopher Hitchens, I mentioned, was one of the key figures of this new atheism, but he passed away a couple years ago. Last thing I'll emphasize is that the new atheism is really only new in its style and aggression. It's not new in the arguments that it proposes. All of the arguments that atheists extend today have been considered and, I'd say, debunked by theists up and down the centuries. I mean, you look at some of the arguments put forward in Richard Dawkins' famous book, The God Delusion, and these were preempted by St. Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century. So we're talking 800 years ago, Thomas is already answering the arguments of the so-called new atheists. So Christians have nothing to be afraid of or nothing to worry about in terms of the substance of these arguments, but the style in which they're proposed should cause all Christians to take notice and to engage it seriously. Okay, so the arguments of new atheism are not new at all, but the social context, the historical context, is is why they call it new atheism. In other words, the new atheists are making some old atheistic arguments, but they're combining it with a new secularism, saying that God and religion has no place in public life, and also combining it with a new anti-religion propaganda, and all the three of these strands are going together. Is that how we should best understand it? I think that's a very apt description. We look at atheists of the past, many of the great atheist philosophers and scientists of the past couple centuries, we see men who seriously considered these questions about God and meaning and existence and the universe, but for the most part were content to sort of live and let live. You know, they embraced atheism, but they had no problem with their friends and peers believing in God. They even saw great benefits of it for society. But today, I think the operative words for the new atheism are aggressive and militant. Many people who follow this movement are not content with other people living their lives with a belief in God. Again, they want to purge God from both the public and private sphere because they see God as dangerous and irrational, belief in God to be dangerous and irrational. So, in other words, believers in God, and there happens to be the religion of Islam, they fly airplanes into skyscrapers. They load 13-year-old boys with suicide bomb vests and send them out to die for Allah. And they say, this is insane, this is terrible. And then they turn and they say, furthermore, some of those Christian fundamentalists in the South, they were racist and they were against integration of schools. So Hitchens' point is saying religion is poisonous to a nice, kind, happy, free, equal society. Let's get rid of it. Is that their argument? In a nutshell, yeah. You'll find that same thread appear through many of these new atheists in their writing. That when you look at all the great atrocities of the past several dozen years, many of them were committed by religion, which, as many secular sociologists have pointed out, is patently absurd that the most uh, deadly regimes of the past couple hundred years have been atheist secular states. And so it's totally bunk to say that there's some correlation between religion and violence. I'll also add that many atheists, when they attack religion, tend to lump all of these religious groups into one unit. And so you have extremist Muslims and fundamentalist Protestants, 
and Catholics all lump together as if it's this one monolithic group we can criticize. But Catholics would just as vigorously protest somebody flying a plane into the building in the name of God as an atheist would. And so that's not representative of either our faith or the God we believe in. And so we can actually stand with atheists and common ground on some of these issues like repudiating violence or the need for a rational faith. Well, to be fair, the vast majority of Muslims would also repudiate such a thing and say, you know, this does not represent Islam. Now, there's a debate to be had about that, but in my own experience of Muslims, the vast majority would also say, no, you know, this is not what Muslims are trying to do. It's extreme jihadists, you know, it's extreme radicals who are trying to turn the religion into something violent. I'm talking today with Brandon Vaught. He's the author of a couple of great books. He's also working with Father Robert Barron's Word on Fire Ministry. Industries. Brandon's the founder of a wonderful website called strangenotions.com. If you have atheists who are in your family, maybe some of your children, your grandchildren, maybe some of your friends and neighbors, encourage them to go over there and have a look at it. It's smart. It's good looking. He's got terrific resources there to engage thinking atheists in their quest for the truth. Brandon, Talking about the intellectual atheists, especially those in Europe, some time ago, Francis, uh, Pope Francis uh, had an exchange and a newspaper interview with a journalist named Scalfari, who is a uh, noted atheist and writer in Italy. Some of that didn't go down very well for Pope Francis's fan base. They were a bit worried about that. Can you help us to understand what the problem was there? I think part of the outreach was that Pope Francis was directly engaging this atheist journalist, and so that alone scandalized people. Uh, Many were quick to defend Francis, saying that's precisely the sort of people that he should be going out to reach. You know, the Son of Man comes not for those who are healthy, but for those who are sick. And so it's precisely to people with secular influence that we should be going out to, to evangelize. I remember a similar controversy was provoked when Pope Benedict XVI did almost something similar right after he retired. Remember, he kind of he faded into silence, as he promised to do, but then it emerged that he was exchanging letters with a, a secular book reviewer who had critiqued his Jesus of Nazareth book. And Pope Benedict caught a lot of the same flack. You know, why is he, why is he going back and forth with this atheist journalist? But again, I think in both cases, it's precisely the right move. It's a symbol, if you will, of the Church going into the secular world and, and not being afraid to engage the cultural elite. Similar to the way uh, St. Paul did when he went to Mars Hill, went to Athens, and engaged with the f- philosophical elite, explaining the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brandon, in your encounter with atheists on your website, Strange Notions, I wonder how many you come across who are trying to persist with the argument that there is no evidence for God. Time and again, this seems to come up where people fall back onto this same argument, well, there's no evidence for God. How do you actually encounter that particular charge? There's probably about 10 or 15 slogans that most of the atheists online are thrilled to repeat, and perhaps the most popular among those is, there is no evidence for God, or show me the evidence for God. Now, the first thing I always do in reply is to ask, what do you mean by evidence? Mm -hmm. Do you only mean physical, empirical evidence, such as the sort you would detect in a scientific experiment? Because if you do, then it's unreasonable to suspect that you would find empirical evidence for a non-empirical being. 
if when, when Catholics say God, we're referring to an immaterial deity, then we wouldn't expect to be able to see God or taste God or feel Him or smell Him. And so it's, it's irrational to ask for, for physical evidence for an immaterial being. It would be like asking me, it would be like asking somebody to prove the existence of a painting by using a barometer. It's just the wrong tool to detect the object of your pursuit. But if by evidence you simply mean good reasons to believe that God exists, well, then there's plenty of those. Then Christians can be more than happy to marshal an overwhelming amount of evidence in support of God. On our website, strangenotions.com, whenever visitors go there, the first thing you'll see on the right-hand side is a link to a post written by Dr. Peter Crave, and it's titled 20 Arguments for God's Existence, or 20 Reasons to Believe God Exists. And so right there you'll find 20 philosophical uh, reasons or evidence for defending God's existence. So that's typically where I point people whenever they demand evidence for God. But that first question is key. You have to clarify, what do you mean as evidence? What would count as evidence in your mind? It's an important conversation to be had with atheists. What evidence uh, are you looking for? Because it also opens up the possibility for them to consider that in the secular world, let's say in forensics and, and, and crime, there are loads of different kinds of evidence. There's documentary evidence, there's archaeological evidence, there's scientific evidence, there's um, biological evidence, there's forensic evidence, there's logical evidence, there's the evidence from eyewitnesses. So there's a whole range of different kinds of evidence that we would consider when looking at, let's say, trying to solve a crime or something like that. So that question, what kind of evidence do you demand, is is very important because it helps people to start thinking this through, to realize, okay, th- that was kind of a facile question. Uh, we need to clarify it a little bit more. So you would move the person on and say, we don't have scientific evidence. That would be the the wrong tool f- to answer that question, but we have plenty of intellectual reasons for the belief in God. One of, one of the things uh, I started with in my book, uh, Catholicism Pure and Simple, was to begin with the evidence of religion around the world. And I, I said, wherever you go within human history, whenever you go, wherever you go within human culture, whether it's thousands and thousands of years ago or whether it's uh, yesterday uh, and you walk down the street, you find this thing called religion. You could argue that that's the one thing that, that links us all together, despite all differences in culture, all differences in history, you, you find this thing called religion. <laughs> and therefore, what is this strange quest within the human heart for for something else and for something beyond? And that seems to me to be a pretty strong reason to believe, a, a pretty strong piece of evidence pointing us towards the direction of saying, well, if this is such a universal human characteristic, this is so much part of human history and human nature and human culture— where does it come from? What sort of answer does the atheist give to that presentation? Well, I agree that that's a really strong piece of evidence for God. I think the atheist would be quick to say, well, that doesn't definitively prove that God exists. There are plenty of erroneous beliefs that the majority in the pe- of the people in the world had, mm-hmm. have held at one time or another, and even for a really long time. But what I think would trouble the atheist is that it's a pretty large piece of evidence. You know, for thousands of years in every human culture, we have this religious sense that seems unavoidable and uh, not easy to dismiss. And so the atheists have to come up with a 
plausible explanation for why that exists. And that explanation has to be more likely than the explanation that theists give, which is that God exists. He planted this religious sense in all of us. And even if he wants to dismiss primitive cultures and say, well, those are primitive uh, people who believed in a sky god and, and the sun god and so forth, we've moved on from that. He then still has to come back and answer the question, yes, but religion is still thriving in the modern world today. Go to Singapore or China, the thriving economic centers of London and, and New York and wherever. The churches are still there. They're still open. They're still full. There's still plenty of people and smart people and educated people who believe in God. So dismissing it as a artifact of primitive humanity doesn't really cut it. He still has to give an explanation for the other people. How, how do they answer that then when they're confronted with smart, educated scientists, for instance, who say, well, I'm a believer. I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, it troubles them. You know, even the, the smartest and brightest among them, uh, I think it was the philosopher Thomas Nagel, who um, is a sort of a polarizing figure. He's an atheist and a philosopher, but he has trouble with many of the so-called new atheists. And he admitted, I, I believe, in one of his latest books, he said, first of all, he doesn't want God to be true, which was a startling admission. But later on, he said, it troubles him that many of his brightest peers, many of the brightest philosophers in science he knows, believe in God. Like, uh-huh. that just doesn't make sense to him. How could somebody so smart believe in something so silly? And so I think that that's a troubling thing to grapple with, is if you really think religion is just totally irrational, if it has no ground in reason or evidence— then what you're essentially saying is that some of the brightest people in our culture have been deluded thinkers, and, and I'm not sure that's a position that many atheists are willing to, to take. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity. My guest today is Brandon Vaught. He's the founder of Strange Notions website, a website designed to uh, spark dialogue between atheists and believers. I encourage you to go and visit the website, strangenotions.com. Also, uh, jump over to my website, dwightlongenecker.com. You can be in contact with me there on my contact page. You can browse my books, Catholicism, Pure and Simple, Quest for the Creed, and various others, and you can be in touch. Brandon, one other question before we wind up, and that is the understanding that a lot of atheists have of God is very often faulty. Is that not the case? In other words, they say they don't believe in God. What they don't believe in is a false concept of God to start with. For instance, I have a friend who is a former Protestant fundamentalist, and he was very much taught that his God was the God of a, a young earth and a short creation in six literal days. And furthermore, this was the God who punished you when you were naughty, and he would send you to hell for being bad. And he was a kind of a, a tyrant father uh, on the other side of the clouds. And so this guy's now an atheist, but that's the God he doesn't believe in. What are some of the other false concepts of God, would you say, that are out there that, that prompt atheists to reject? Yeah, there are many. I'm glad you mentioned that, because that resonates with my own experience, that oftentimes when an atheist says he doesn't believe in God, and you ask him, what do you mean by God? Chances are, what he means by the word God is a figure that you would just as enthusiastically reject. A couple of the more popular conceptions of God that I see online among atheists, one of them would be the so-called God of the gaps. You see this all the time, that atheists say, God is simply 
that being or that explanation which theists use to plug in gaps in our scientific knowledge. Uh So they say, for instance, that thousands of years ago, nobody could explain how thunder and lightning work. So we would just say, well, God did it. There's this mythical being in the sky who just rains down lightning and thunder. But now that science has explained how through electricity, how thunder and lightning come to be, we have no need for God, and therefore that God we have no no reason to believe in him any longer. But of course, serious Christians up and down the centuries don't hold to a God of the gaps. We don't believe in God simply because there are things we can't explain, and therefore we think that God exists. We have positive reasons and arguments for believing in God. One final misconception of God, I think, that's really popular today is that God is just one being among many, that he's just a, a grand extension of man. So he's kind of like us, but he's just extremely good, extremely nice, extremely powerful, extremely knowledgeable, but he's really one being among many. But classical theists go back all the way to Aristotle, but especially in Thomas Aquinas, see God as the sheer act of existence itself. God is not a being, God is being, existence. Now that's really hard for many atheists to grasp and understand, but it's a a key distinction that God is is not just one more thing in this universe, because if he was, then I totally agree we should head out and see if we can detect him or find him, just like we would find any person in our in our own world. But instead, God is this transcendent act of existence. He's pure actuality, pure existence, not a creature among other creatures. Do you make any headway, Brandon? Yeah, we do. We've we've seen many atheists take positive steps toward God. One of the things we try to do on our site, really, is to simply clear away the roadblocks that people have to faith. And so if somebody comes to our site with one of these misconceptions of God, and we can expose the misconception as a faulty one, um, then we can help that person realize that maybe one of their resistances to faith isn't a substantial resistance. Maybe they're objecting to a God that, that we really don't believe in either. And if you could knock down that barrier, you could help them take one step closer to faith. Before we go, I want to give a bit of a practical advice to our listeners. If you have an atheist in your family, a child, grandchild, friend, or neighbor, uh, and you're not making any headway in your arguments with them, why not ask them to jump over to Brandon's website, strangenotions.com, and you can say to them, look, just be open-minded about it. There are a lot of smart people on that website. They've written articles. They're not argumentative. They're not trying to cram religion down your throat. It's just a forum for smart people like yourself to go there and explore faith and explore the questions of atheism in a non-confrontational, non-threatening way. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Today, my guest has been Brandon Vaught, the author and founder of strangenotions.com, a website to evangelize atheists. Brandon, thank you for joining us today. All right. Thank you, Father Dwight. 